So we've titled our conversation in the month of October on Wednesdays for midweek service, Epignosis, Epignosis. I am personally not one to, to bring very powerful, strong Greek words. Um, for instance, we just finished a series on first principles and I could have told you that repentance is metanoia. I could have told you that faith is pistis. All right, I could have told you each of those foundational principles in Greek, uh, but there is a way you can miss the essence and, and you now grow your attachments thinking the revelation comes from the language. The revelation doesn't come from the language, all right? But we have still titled this series Epignosis, which is a word that will show up in our Bibles for those of us whose first or primary language is English, the language I'm speaking right now, it will show up in your Bible as knowledge. It will show up in your Bible as knowledge. All right. And this is our task this month by the Spirit of God to unveil how to make solid our understanding of God's word as regards knowledge. So why, why have we insisted on using, we could have just called this knowledge, all right? But the Greek language is rich in a way that English attempts to approximate closest meanings. I'm sure you are most likely familiar with the many Greek versions that are words, all right, that are just translated in our English Bible as love, all right? So the English is, it, it's not a as much a robust language, and this is very established, it's not even just scripture now, in linguistics. As far as linguistics are concerned, the English language is very unrobust. It approximates, borrows, pulls words, and in, in that process of translation or transliteration, it is possible to miss the original essence of many words. Somebody say glory to God. All right. So I already told you this word means knowledge, but it would mean a particular kind of knowledge. A particular kind of knowledge. And in the New Testament, Greek New Testament, there are two words commonly translated as knowledge. And it is important for you to know the role those words play and how it concerns you. Let us go into our anchor scripture. Boy, are we going to be blessed this month? Second Peter. Second Peter chapter 1. I will read, please permit me, from verse 1 to 4. Second Peter, for those who are taking notes, Second Peter chapter 1 verse 2 to 4. It says that grace and peace be multiplied. All right, please listen, child of God. We are in a month where the prophetic word for us is grace upon grace. Our Sunday teaching series is literally perfect peace. Peter, by the Spirit, is saying to us that this grace, this supernatural blessings, these spiritual abilities, these divine exemptions, all right, peace, this concept of perfect perfection and complete wholeness, Peter is instructing us by the Spirit that it's not just available, but there is a possibility of multiplication, and he tells us how. 
it doesn't leave us guessing. Please, please, I want you to open your heart because this really is the key that unlocks the possibility. We can shout and shout grace, grace, peace, peace. However, the word of God is clear that you will enter into it only through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. You can see that word there, knowledge. The question is, which of the two words is it? Which of the two words is it? Is it gnosis or is it epignosis? Hmm. For those who were with us on Sunday, we were talking about mental health. And we mentioned something about genetics and how even genetics really isn't final. Because science is now uncovering a new field. You can Google it. It's, it's there for verification called epigenetics. As the switch that decides which genes will come on. So, Peter here is saying that grace and peace can be multiplied. However, if you will walk in this, it will only be through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. It would interest you to know that the, the thought there was epignosis, which for the purpose of today's discussion, let's take it as meaning experiential knowledge experiential knowledge so he's saying that just knowing about god will not suffice just being aware that he exists just knowing that jesus is the son of god or like the many books i read where in the same sentence jesus is grouped when they are talking about exceptional leadership servant leadership transformational leadership they would use Jesus in the same sentence as other religious leaders. They know Jesus. That is knowledge. That is not the knowledge Peter is talking about here. And I want to challenge you, child of God, please, please. I know we've had some very powerful series, but if there is one, I want to personally implore you to pay attention to that will make your Christian life stand out and make God true practically in your life and to your world it is this one that the knowledge that we that we will need to operate in grace upon grace to experience perfection of peace it is true experiential knowledge it will go beyond just knowing about it says in verse 3 according as his divine power has given us not will has given us all things that pertain unto life and godliness again he says through the knowledge so peter is saying lest you get this thing wrong it is true that it has your name on it it is true that this is your inheritance it is true that these are your rights in redemption it is true that these are possibilities by the blood of jesus it is true that these are the verities of the divine life all those things are true but they will remain just true to you they will not be practical life truth to you unless you plug into this kind of knowledge our hmm our goal this month is how does this awareness, this just knowing, how does it become experiential? Through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory and virtue. He says in verse 4, whereby are given unto us. So he's saying if you are not convinced yet that you must take this experiential knowledge thing serious. I've told you grace and peace will be multiplied. More, multiplied. Hmm. I've told you that it gives you access to divine power that really has unveiled 
everything you need, not just for godliness, but for life, for your marriage, for your relationship, for your business, for your investments, for godliness. And now comes in verse 4. It says, exceeding great and precious promises. And God's desire is that we will be partakers. Somebody say partakers, not discussers, not analysts, not reviewers, not even critics. You know, there are many who, they've, they've, they've heard about this Jesus thing and they've tried it out and they've, they've become critics today because they could not partake of the divine life. So they've joined the club of critics and to tell you, I know all those scriptures. I've been there. I can preach these sermons that they are preaching. I can preach it. I've done it before. I can tell you firsthand. Mm. That by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Glory to God. Glory to God. So in the New, in the New Testament, the verb to know is the same word and the noun, knowledge, has two variations. It would interest you that Peter in this same conversation talks about experiential knowledge in verse 2 talks about experiential knowledge in verse 3 and then he gets to the next line and he's talking about knowledge please stay with us so really how does this knowledge thing work how does this knowledge thing work the other side which I didn't even bother putting in my notes is ignorance to be ignorant means you don't even know. You don't know. You don't know. But then when you say you know, what does it mean? There are levels to knowing. There is awareness. 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 For instance, I know that the capital of Canada is Ottawa. I know. I know that the president, as at the time of this recording, of the United States is president Joe Biden. That's awareness. That's awareness. All right. It, it means I know about. I know about. I can't claim I know Ottawa. I can't claim I know President Joe Biden. All right. So that's awareness. Awareness means you become familiar with a subject matter. You become familiar. In the same way, there are many. And see, the goal of this series is not for you to point to someone, but for you to open your heart to God's word and say, God, where am I? Where am I and where are the gaps? Hmm. I've seen what we have for this month. My heart rejoices that God really, truly loves us, that he's sending this word to us. Familiarity with the word. Familiarity. The moment you hear the topic, you already know the text. This is how PG is going to navigate this thing. You know the text. You know, you know the points. You've been there, done that. Only thing is you have no life validation as proof that this is real in your life. Number one level, awareness. Where our interaction with the matter is one of familiarity. Number two is I am now informed. What's the difference between being aware and being informed? Now, information is organized. Organized. There's short-term and there's long-term organization of knowledge. So for the short-term experts, those of us who know how to cram, 
Some of, some of you literally listen right now. At some point in your lives, you could quote the first 20 elements of the periodic table. If I asked you to do it now, the same brain, it's, it's filed somewhere, but you've not used the information, so it has not stayed. It has not stayed. Some of you, it's two days to the exams, <laughs> you know the old textbook, a week after, a week after, you're like, is, it, this, is this brain playing tricks on me? That's organized data. It can leave you because you had it when you needed it, but it has not become a part of you yet. Some of us have information that is still part of us, but we, it's not really, it has stayed with us, but it's not part of us. So, information, information. When data becomes organized, please, that's not even where we are going to. And then there is what is called learning or learned knowledge. Learned knowledge means that to an extent, understanding has come and behavior has changed. That is not what Christianity is. Christianity involves learning, yes, with a view to experiential knowledge. All right, remember we started with awareness. We talked about information where there is a degree of organization to that data. And then there is now learned knowledge, which means that time has been taken to understand this thing. So somebody comes, uh, you have a test tomorrow. And um, in that test, we're going to ask you to list the... 10 um, provinces and their capital cities in Canada. All right. There is a way you can commit time this night and say if that test is tomorrow or next tomorrow, I must know all of them. But there's someone else who has taken out time to understand the provinces, understand the, the, the way the nation was formed, understand that Many years after their citizenship tests, you can still stop them on the road and they can tell you. And you, you say, how were you able to take this in from memorization to ensuring that you learned it? Ben says, I, I understood a way to capture that information. If real learning has taken place, there will be a change of behavior. Many would say this is even great. This is a great place to be. And as far as education is concerned, this is the highest experience of knowledge that there has been a change in behavior. Hear me again. As far as education is concerned, as far as neural pathways are concerned, as far as the brain is, the brain wiring is concerned, when you, the world can give you expertise at this level, especially when you've done it for a long time. You've done numerous tests. You've done numerous projects. You've now become the world's global expert on the Old Testament. You know the history of the Torah and of the Tanakh. You know the linguistic progression of Hebrew language and of the Israelites as a people. You know all of these things apart from the fact that you are still the world's greatest atheist because what you accumulated is a body of knowledge that you've learned over time but it has not become revealed to you. I hope we're still together this evening. So many of us would know that the current Prime Minister is the right Honorable Prime Minister Justin Trudeau. We are aware some will know that he has just been recently re-elected. That's additional information. You've gone to level two. 
Some will tell you, you just watch Prime Minister Trudeau on TV, on the news. You, I am his chief of staff. I make his schedule. I can tell you what he likes. I know how he loves his coffee. I know how much sugar or cream he wants or the lack of it. All right. That's even to tell you, I don't know. <laughs> All right. This person knows him at a level. All right. Knows about him. But when you get to his house and you are hearing his wife speak or any of his kids speak, they are no longer talking about Prime Minister Trudeau. They are talking about daddy now. They've lived with daddy. They've seen daddy happy and excited. They've seen daddy sad and broken. They've seen daddy optimistic and excited. They've seen daddy pessimistic and about to throw in the towel. And, and they can give you the clearest information about that person. It is no longer what I read or what I was told. This is who I live with. And I can tell you by experience, this is who he is. So the word of God is enjoining you and I that if we are going to see grace multiplied, it is true that his divine power has made available for us all things, no deficiencies, but we will not walk in it until we contend to go from information, to go from awareness, to enter into the realm of experiential knowledge. He calls them exceeding great and precious promises. If I were you, I will pay attention this month. There are so many examples in scripture, but because we want to drive home the point, let's look at the other knowledge, the other word knowledge and examples of where it is used in scripture. And then we'll look at some examples of where epignosis is used in the New Testament. And then I will show us this evening as an introduction the three critical commitments that every life must make. Hmm. The three critical commitments that every one of us must make. I can't make this for you. I wish I could. If you are going to move from awareness and information and gnosis into the realm of epignosis, of experiential knowledge, there are three critical commitments that you and I must make. Glory to God. I said glory to God. I hope we've not lost anyone yet this evening. This is, this is, this is very instructive. And next week, Wednesday, by God's grace, we go deeper. And the week after that, we'll go really deep. We, 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 will, we, we might break some tables. We might step on some toes. But our God is Rafa. He will heal those toes. And you will come to love God's word for it at the end of the day. Hmm. Examples of knowledge, unexperienced, unrevealed knowledge. Remember, we said awareness is familiarity. Information is when it is a bit more organized. Learned is when you have interacted with it enough to have understanding, enough for it to cause a change in your behavior. And that's the hallmark in the realm of the physical. But we said there is another level which is experiential knowledge. It is revealed knowledge that births faith. Revealed knowledge that births faith. So, examples, if you're writing down examples of gnosis, you can literally do this by yourself. You can literally go online, Google any good concordance or any good interlinear Bible and just search knowledge. 
and you are searching which one is regular knowledge, which one is experiential knowledge. And just by comparing those scriptures, you begin to see that the word of God is very deliberate, very accurately deliberate. Somebody say glory to God. All right, 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1 to verse 3. I'm really going to verse 3, but permit me to read. Um, let's, read let's read from verse 1 to verse 3. I, I, I think we should pay attention to um, the entire scripture. 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1. There are many examples, but I'm choosing this one specifically. Because one of the deficiencies of this version of knowledge is that it, it makes the people who have it puffed up. There is a kind of knowledge that produces pride. There is a kind of Bible knowledge that will just make you look at your pastor and you're just smiling. Wow. So ignorant. Doesn't even really, really, really know that that's not what that scripture is talking about. Wow. It says if that is you, no matter how right you are, <laughs> no matter how correct you are, you are the level of gnosis and you won't experience grace and peace multiplied. And I see that tribe increasing day by day. They've now become the analysts of what is accurate. Don't get me wrong. There is the, ac I, I think this, 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 it's the, let the word speak for itself. There is a kind of knowledge that what it does, it, it puffs your shoulder. It, it makes you feel superior to every other person just because you now know the Greek. Or just because you, 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 you have received the real insight of the scripture. And you're just in a place, maybe it's even in, in a cell group. And the cell leader is just breaking the thing down. And you're like, no, that's, there's a deeper level to that scripture. Huh? You, should, you should know these things. How did you even become my cell leader? If you don't know these things, how, how come you are the pastor? What didn't you? Where did you train? <laughs> Glory to God. There is that kind of knowledge. This knowledge that multiplies peace and grace. This knowledge that unlocks the divine, the verities of that divine life that has made everything available for life and godliness is experiential. It doesn't puff up. Guess what? It actually humbles you. This real knowledge, this revelation knowledge that we speak of, it humbles you. You, you. you burst into a new realm of light and you're humbled. And you see people who are not there yet and immediately you're not saying they don't know nothing. That's not your default response. You're able to communicate truth, but able to communicate it in love and not with pride. Hear me? There are so many experts, especially online now. These are one of the, this is one of the litmus tests that you use. Is this person dishing out epignosis? Is this person dishing out gnosis? It is true that they know a lot. As the word, they are, as it produced in their own life, do they have results to show for it? Are they communicating these things gracefully in love? Or are they communicating it in a demeaning manner and pulling down this person? Pulling down that person, pulling down everybody, so they are the only ones standing. That's the see. That is the spirit of Satan at work, even with knowledge of scriptures. First Corinthians chapter eight, verse one to verse three. Now, as touching things offered unto idols, we know that we all have knowledge. We all have gnosis. That's it here. This is not. We all don't have experiential knowledge. It says this knowledge. 
it puffs up. It says, but love builds up. Wow, wow, wow. That's, that's it, literally. Edifies. It builds up. It builds up. I'm fighting the temptation to start reading all these things in Greek. I'm not claiming to be a Greek expert. Just like you, I just love the word and I bother to check. That's, that's the difference. <laughs> Glory to God. It says diagnosis puffs up, but love's bi- love builds up. Love edifies. It says if anyone thinks that he knows anything, it says trust me. If it's not a prognosis, you don't know nothing as you ought to know. You can do your Instagram live and dish out all the revs with your vitriol, backing it up. Or not all churches are rubbish. All our pastors are rubbish. They are just teaching junk. Don't they know that this is really what scriptures? And many times they are saying right things. But you see, this spirit is not love. A lot of times they say junk anyways. But even those who are communicating what seems to be correct, the moment I see that there is no love in this communication, I know immediately I am interacting with gnosis, no matter how accurate it sounds. Verse 3, but if any man loves God, the same is known of him. Mm. So he's showing you that gnosis doesn't really mean bad knowledge because in verse 3 also, he uses gnosis. Glory to God. I said glory to God. Are we we still together this evening? Are we still together? I'm sure some of you are just waiting, PD. This introduction you're doing, I get it. How do I move on? All right, we'll get there shortly. And I'm trusting the spirit of God to help us that we will get to that crux, a decision-making crux. You've been born again for too long for the word not to be true in your life. See, epignosis is humbling. It humbles. You will accept that I know this thing, but there is a gap. It means I do not know it as I ought to know it. Spirit of God, teach me. Hmm. Another example of gnosis, which I deliberately picked because it's in the same breath that Peter was just making these deep revelations about grace and peace being multiplied unto you. So he gets to verse 4. He gets to verse 5. 2 Peter chapter 1. The same chapter we started reading from. He gets to verse 5 and he suddenly switches from experiential knowledge and he switches to this gnosis. 2 Peter chapter 1. Let me read verse 5 and verse 6. He says, and besides this, giving all diligence... He says, to your faith, add virtue. To your virtue, add knowledge. He's saying that the form of the knowledge in its adding state is gnosis. You are going to interact. You are going to learn. It's going to initially come as gnosis. You are going to interact with it. You are going to contend. I don't just want to be aware of faith. I want to know what the word teaches about faith. I don't just want to be aware of this topic. Or I don't just want to be aware of this area. Or I don't want to be just aware of this book. I want to know it for certain. I want to spend time and know it in and out. It says in that addition process, the version, the form you are interacting with is still gnosis. It says in verse 6, and to this knowledge, temperance, and to temperance, patience. This is what a lot of our modern day social media teachers have not added. So they are dishing out very accurate revs, very accurate truths, but they've not added these things to it. 
unto temperance, patience, unto patience, godliness, and it goes on and on and on. It is interesting that he chose to use gnosis as the word for knowledge in this text. Having started with epignosis, and then he switches back very fast in verse 8. So, let's go to scriptures and see a couple of examples of epignosis, just a few. Just to get you stirred up to pay attention to what is coming next. That it will be worth it for me to make these three commitments in my life. Not one, not two, all three commitments to ensure that what I am piling up, what I am accumulating is not just a knowledge base of unfruitful knowledge. But what I am piling up is experiential. I have added it. Hmm. Light has dawned on it experienced by the spirit has come it has produced faith in me at that point it becomes undeniable irrefutable so another example of epignosis remember our first example is from our text for the month second peter chapter one we've seen it in verse two we've seen it in verse three it now comes back in the same thought, verse 8. It says, for as these qualities are yours, and as they increasingly abound in you. It says these things, they will keep you from being idle or unfruitful unto the, now I'm reading this from the Amplified, from the full personal knowledge. Can you see that? From the full personal knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one. In the same thought, it begins with epignosis. Grace and peace multiplied. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through the knowledge. Epignosis of. It says, wherein great, precious promises. Epignosis. In our switches, add to faith, virtue to virtue, gnosis. And you're wondering, I thought it was experiential. He's saying, wait, there is a process. There is a process. You will add things to this. He says, having done that, you will now have full personal knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we can, from this interpretation, say that epignosis is full personal knowledge. Glory to God. Somebody say, glory to God. Hmm. Another example, Colossians. I know we are very smart and bright students. So I'm going to do a short quiz after we go through the examples. It's a quiz that the answer is staring literally in our faces. Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. Many examples. I just chose a few. And I want to encourage you as good students, all right, to go back and check these things and to see a lot more for yourself. Colossians chapter 1 verse 9. It says, for this cause also, for this cause we also, since the day we heard it, we do not cease to pray for you and to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge. So this is Paul writing to the, to the, to the Colossians and he's saying that our prayer for you, we've, we've given you the word. We know you are growing in knowledge. We are, you are adding to it, all right? You are studying, you are reading, but our prayer is that you will be filled with the knowledge. He's, he's saying that our prayer for you is that you will move from gnosis to experiential knowledge by revelation of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Why? It says that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing. 
It means that when you see deficiencies, when you see someone who is not walking, they know so much, but their lives are not proof of the knowledge that they know. It's saying here that, they, that, that walking worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, seeing fruitfulness in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. It's there. It says that's our prayer for you. That you will not just say you are aware. Oh, I was lost. Now I'm found. I know. All right. Your life definitely is not proof that you are found. So our prayer for you is that beyond just knowing is that you will truly know. And I pray for someone under the sound of my voice. This will not just be another teaching series, but your life will become the proof that the world will be able to look at and point to and say, of your truth, the word of God is true. In the mighty name of Jesus, when people are, are, are doubting divine health, your life will be proof that divine health is a kingdom possibility. When people are doubting divine prosperity, your life will be proof that kingdom prosperity is still a possibility. Somebody say glory to God. The next example, Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 16 and 17. An amazing, very powerful scripture. Hmm. It says, we cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. So there's a commonality here in the Colossians or to the Colossian brethren. He said, this is, a, this is my prayer for you. It's right into the Ephesians. It says, we don't cease to give thanks for you. We make mention of you in our prayers. And he tells them his prayer point for them. Hmm. Thank you, Holy Spirit. It says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Your guess is as good as mine. This is no gnosis. When, when, when you see the spirit brooding over the void, what you can be sure what is about to produce is epignosis. When we submit the word, when we are not proud and say, hey, my, oh my, I've read Timothy five times. I've read all the commentaries there. I know the Greek in and out. And there's nothing anybody can tell me. I, I know it. I know it. My brother, my sister, if that's what that knowledge has produced, you don't know it. Until you've submitted it to the Spirit and by revelation, he has now shown you that <laughs> you, what you read was letter. Are you ready for Spirit? Are you ready for Spirit? Are you ready for Spirit? You, you, you know the scriptures are so clear. Say the letter kills. Many people with a, I don't know if really their intention is to do good. I choose to believe it is. But there are spring gnosis all about killing, causing divisions. Just because I'm the one who really knows the scripture and I'm the one that must teach it. Don't listen to that person again. Shut that place down. Close it down. It's, it's almost now to carry placard that is left. It says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, in the experience, in the personal, full knowledge of him. 
Glory to God. I said glory to God. Mm. One more example. And then we'll do our quick, short quiz. Which is very obvious. I'm sure some of you even know the quiz. Some of you know the answer. So I won't promise any gifts. All right. It's too simple. It's a very simple quiz. All right. Philemon chapter 1 and verse 6. I'll read from the KJV. And I'll read from the Amplified. If there is one place in the New Testament where you want to hold on to the word epignosis, it is this one. Philemon chapter 1 and verse 6. It says that the communication. This is proof again that the English language is weak. Communication. What is communication? Yeah, I know you know what it is in English. But it's, a com- it's just the way we, in the King James, you see words like that's your conversation. Conversation, what are we talking about? It's not talking about talk. That the communication of your faith may become effectual hmm, by the acknowledging, the word acknowledging there interestingly is epignosis, by the experiential knowledge, experiential working by revelation of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. What a powerful scripture. Can I read this in the Amplified? And it will show you that this really is a prayer. Amplified Philemon 1 verse 6. It says, and I pray. This is another letter of Paul. And I pray that the participation in. That's because that word there is koinonia. Interaction. Fellowshipping. All right. I think we talked about this in the series um, Love and Light. Our study on the book of, of 1 John, I believe. It says that the participation in. That you will come in and play your role and in the sharing of your faith. That you will produce and promote full recognition and appreciation and understanding and precise knowledge. Boy, oh boy, it doesn't get sweeter than this. This is God's word and someone is meant to be jumping and saying, I found the key to my victory. These things have been head knowledge. They're about to become heart knowledge and my life is about to become living proof that the word of God is true. I am sorry, Father, I've doubted your word because I've compared my reality to my head. But he's saying that that's not where it produces results. It's not the word in my head. It's the word in my heart released by power in my lips that will bring results. It says that the participation in and sharing hmm. full recognition full appreciation and understanding and precise knowledge precise knowledge of every good thing that is ours in our identification with Christ Jesus and unto his glory glory to God I said glory to God. You can tell that I'm enjoying God's word. You can tell. And I hope you're enjoying God's word too. So, for the smarty, 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 super smart ones, you already know the quiz, but let's do it anyways. Can you see anything common in the examples we've used so far? Second Peter chapter 1, Colossians chapter 1, Ephesians chapter 1, Philemon, even though it's just one chapter, chapter 1. Can you see the commonalities? This word, epignosis, is the 
I mean, someone can say, yes, the Bible wasn't written in chapters. You know, it was just after a couple of um, years that it was divided into chapters and verses for easy referencing. You are right. Let's say it wasn't even in chapter. Let's say we are reading the scroll letter. If we are seeing this in chapter 1, it means that this was the primary thought. Primary thought. It means that you could, if, if you were sitting down with the Apostle Paul on Instagram live, or you got him into a studio, and you're saying, as far as your prayer is for the saints, in all these places you've planted churches. Yes, it is true that we are planting more churches. It is true that we are seeing more believers. Our churches are growing. We give God all the glory. But what is your most important prayer for them? It says they need this revelation knowledge. It's, it's, you will find it almost in chapter 1 of all of the conversations in the New Testament. That you won't just know and claim you know. If not, you will produce proud believers that have no proof in life. Proud believers that know so much. Hmm. This thing is very important. And I pray for you. Sincerely from the depths of my heart. Sincerely from the depths of my heart. That you will come up to this level. In the mighty name of Jesus. It's a decision you are going to have to make. The spirit of God has been waiting for this moment. Hmm. Waiting for this moment. You've been, we, I'm, I'm in this group. We've interacted with the letter for too long. And the, and the deficiencies in our lives are proof that we don't know what we think we know. We don't know what we think we know. I can see some questions already popping up in your heart. Trust me, that we will receive answer by God's spirit. This evening, we are laying the bricks. Please do not miss any of the sessions this month. Please. Some of us, we will need to release in at least two times to each session to get the fullness. Remember, this is full personal knowledge. Full personal knowledge. Full personal knowledge. I think we're meant to mention this in part four. I just, I've been fighting it. it. It would seem as though the spirit of God would have me say it now. I don't know who it is, who is tugging and pulling this. All right, but let me just say, let me just say this. This knowledge is only possible by the spirit of God. You don't get it by getting an MSc. You don't get it by getting a PhD. This knowledge is only possible by the spirit of God. This knowledge is only possible by this. We are going to get to the three commitments shortly, but this knowledge is only possible by the Spirit of God. Remember, he says in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, he says that you will receive power if you back up to the, to the, to the stream of thought. The resurrected Christ, who really should have gone about showing himself to people, saying, I'm the Messiah, I'm the Messiah. That was not his opinion. He didn't even see a need to go show himself to the high priest or to, or to Pilate and say, you crucified me, the Lord and Savior of glory. Here I am. Put, put, put your hands. It's me. Now I'm going to deal. He didn't, he didn't have a need for that. He gathered his disciples together and he started teaching them. Teaching them. I've been, I've been teaching you for three and a half years. I'm going to take these 40 days and consolidate by the spirit so that some of the knowledge you've had over the past three years will now be transformed by the spirit to revelation knowledge that can breath faith and can experience you to do exploits now. He says that you will receive. They were saying, so when you've died now, 
You've risen again. When will you restore the kingdom? That was their obsession. A deliverance from the Roman Empire. Jesus is saying, don't you guys still get it? It is not of you to know those times and seasons. He says there are times and seasons you should know, but it's not as it affects all, all of this, all of these mundane, superficial issues. He says that what you should be obsessed with is receiving power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you will be my witnesses by the Spirit. You will be my witnesses. Anyone who is familiar with law, will tell you that there are two kinds of witnesses. But I will announce to you by the Spirit, there are three kinds of witnesses. And the witness that the Spirit produces by this boy, oh boy. Man, it's smoking in here. The third kind of witness can only be produced by the Spirit. The lawyers will tell you there is an eyewitness. The eyewitness is, I was there. I saw it happen. Are you sure? He really, he really did it. I, I saw it with my two eyes. That is who an eyewitness is. The other witness is someone called an expert witness. An expert witness has no business even being there. But by virtue of their training and expertise in their field, they can be summoned to a law court and say, are these marks consistent with asphyxiation? He said, oh yes, I've practiced forensic pathology for the past 35 years now. And in every case of diagnosed asphyxiation, we've seen marks consistent with this. Say, thank you. Your job is done. You don't know the case. <laughs> you don't need to know the plaintiff. You don't need to know the defendant. You don't even need to know the lawyer. You are just rendering expert services. Because by virtue of your training, now, boy, oh boy, the word of God is telling us that you don't need to have seen it and you don't need to have been trained by the expert. Because there's something else the Spirit of God produces, which is the witness of the Spirit. That is someone who has received revelation knowledge. And I can tell you that person is superior to the person who was there and to the person who claims to be an expert in that field. You are now the hybrid of the Spirit where you are saying, I was not there, but I know this of a truth. I did not study this thing to the realm. I don't have a PhD in it. But boy, my life is proof that faith works. My life is proof that healing is true. Why? I've seen it in God's word. The spirit of God has energized it. It has become my reality. Hmm. Hmm. So Paul had the audacity to tell the Galatians, oh foolish Galatians, what has bewitched you? What happened to you? We taught you grace. We taught you matters of the spirit. You, the, I really know what has happened to you. You left it as gnosis. He said, was it, was it not before you that Christ was evidently crucified? Gentiles, evidently crucified. Paul, even you, you were not there. Paul is saying, I was not an eyewitness. Neither am I an expert witness. But I'm a witness by the Spirit. I've received revelation knowledge. I know Jesus better than those who were there. I know Jesus more than those who even did ministry with him. I've seen him. I've experienced his Spirit. This thing is too real now. It's too real now. Boy, oh boy. And that's the people God is raising in our midst. Not people who will learn something new and their shoulder has gone up. This epignosis humbles you. You'll be able to address yourself with your full knowledge of your identity in Christ. You'll be able to acknowledge yourself. Paul, a bond servant of Jesus. That is epignosis. If it is gnosis, you will see Paul, the chief apostle who received revelations and the communicator of grace 
and the apostle to the Gentiles of the new covenant. <laughs> oh boy, oh boy. Glory to God. I said glory to God. I said glory to God. Hmm. So what are the three commitments you and I must make? The three commit as we round up this evening, trusting the Lord that we can change gears a bit next week Wednesday. And then the last two Wednesdays, we are going all out, man. We are, we are going on gear six. All right. Many, many people don't even know what that is today because, you know, this generation, you just shift from pack to D. All right. So for those who didn't get that, I'm sorry. It just means we are going full speed. Just imagine Formula One. All right. We are going full speed. Glory to God. What are the three commitments you and I must make if we will contend not just to be eyewitnesses or even expert witnesses? I'll never forget a line I read in one of Brother Egan's books. In fact, calling him Brother Egan, Papa Egan's books. A line. Someone had come to meet him. I said, Brother Egan, pray for me. This guy was a lecturer and a PhD in theology with a specialty in New Testament. And he went to him. He said, he said Brother Egan, pray for me. My faith is struggling. I wish I never read some things. That's, that's, that is expert witness at work. What do you want to show that kind of person? He knows the date of where Paul was. He doesn't only know who trained Paul. He knows who trained Gamaliel. He knows the ins and the ins and outs. We are still saying we are not sure who wrote Hebrews. This person has written theses on the most likely authors with evidence. None of it built faith. None of it. He says, "Help me! I'm, I'm shaking. I've, I've I've read some things. I wish I can unread or know them." He says, "It's now shaky. I doubt even if I'm a believer. That's the that's what expertness produces." He said, "But boy, there's something the spirit produces." It's now experiential. You were not there, so they say, but your conviction is solider than the person who saw it with their physical eyes because you saw it. You also saw it. Glory to God. This time you just saw it in the spirit with your spiritual eyes. You saw it. You're also an expert in it. You've experienced it. No, nobody can take it away from you now. May we be that people in the mighty name of Jesus. Glory to God. What are the three commitments you and I must make if we must make a shift from just knowledge to experiential knowledge by the Spirit. It needs no saying that you must be born again. It's not part of the three commitments. This is just, this is, this is, this is level one. We've already said it's only possible by the Spirit of God. So there is no gain saying the fact that you have to be born again. You may have a degree in religious studies and you know the history of the Bible and you have to be born again. The best you can interact with is knowledge. You have to be born again. And at the end of this evening's service, it will be my utmost pleasure to introduce you to the lover of your soul. The one you know so much about, yet you know nothing about. He wants to reveal himself to you. You've read about him, now he wants to show you himself wants to show you his love. It will be my pleasure to pray with you at the end of this evening's teaching. What are the three commitments that you and I must make? I'll say all the three. Just because our convictions must be found on God's word, I'll give us scriptures for all three. We'll round up this evening and by God's grace, if Jesus tarries, we'll take it a step further next week, Wednesday, by God's grace. Glory to God. Are you still with me this evening? Glory to God.
the number one commitment you and I must make. I must desire and prioritize the word of God as the most important resource in my life. If I have not made this commitment, I am, I am, I am completely joking about experiencing revelation knowledge or moving to the realm of epignosis, full, personal, precise knowledge. I'm joking. Until you and I get to the point where there is desire, I'm not saying there is a, there is a, there is a, there is a, I know you can hear what I'm not saying. It's, it's not just, oh, I desire you, Lord. You prove this. I think it was Dr. Mike Modoc that said, the proof of desire is pursuit. The proof that you will prioritize the word of God until you are ready to do that, the maximum level you can engage in is gnosis. I must desire and prioritize the word of God as the most important resource in my life and for godliness. The most important resource in my life. The most important resource for ministry. The most important resource for marriage. The most important resource for life, for everything, must be the word of God and I must desire and prioritize it unless I am joking. And if you really want to be sure that this is my desire, you will see me pursuing after. You will see me spending, investing time with. All right. All right. Glory to God. Number one, commitment. Number two, commitment. I must contend for revelation knowledge through the practice of study and meditation. Through the practice of study and meditation i must place a demand that spirit of god now i've read the letter i need your spirit you are the author of scriptures there were many writers but you are the real author of scriptures reveal your words to me you don't just go, go there oh um we've been reading isaiah 28 amen that's reading that's reading the spirit of god is about to bring revelation you've already gotten up uh -uh. The Spirit is wondering. I, I, I thought we just started. <laughs> Just be relaxed. That, that one. It now goes back to number one. Desire is not there and it has not been prioritized. So you can see that these three commitments are interconnected. Somebody say glory to God. I must contend for revelation knowledge through the practice of study. Not just reading, but the practice of study and meditation. Number three, commitment. I must trust God for and pray for teachers that are tools of the spirit for illumination. I think this is a part that many of us take for granted. I must trust God for. And when I find those jewels, I must pray for them. That this light they found, they will not drop it one day and start teaching darkness. If you are blessed with a sound teacher of God's word over your life, you found gold. It's amazing that we have a proud generation sponsored by a lot of gnosis. Very proud and the conclusion is that you don't need any teacher. Have you noticed that our educational systems don't just give people books and say go home? I am a product of good teaching. 
both sound, solid spiritual teachers and sound, solid physical teachers. I've shared this with us in KICC before. Let me just share it again. Be mindful of our time. My O-level chemistry was pure cram and deliver. Cram and deliver, <laughs> that I was excellent in it. I knew everything. But I knew that I did not understand this thing. I knew it. So when I got to the point in my life when it was clear that I needed advanced level, I, I was just shaking my head. I said, see how you struggled with ordinary level chemistry. You want to go and do advanced level chemistry? where it is steroids on steroids. <laughs> and then I said, God, just have mercy on me. I will never forget the day that my chemistry teacher... Now, I have, if you've listened to me, this is the one teacher I've spoken about more than all the other teachers I've had. Some teachers gave me information. I'm grateful to them. I am where I am today because of them, but you will never forget the ones that, that, that showed you a realm of possibility. The man who taught me A-level chemistry... He entered into the class on the first day with just his pen. And the first thing he said was, nobody fails chemistry in my class, irrespective of who you are and the grade you had in your WIAC or in your O levels. We first looked up and paid attention. Who is this? He said, the second thing I want to tell you is that I will never teach you with a note or dictate lectures from a piece of paper. He said, on that exam day, you are going to be confident that you will know whatever you'll be asked. And I will prove it is possible to you by teaching you everything I need to do from my head. The next thing he said is that, by the time I'm done with you, you will not only know chemistry, he says you will understand chemistry. That was what this man said. Guys, my textbook for A-level chemistry, I can't remember what it's called now. This big red Cambridge textbook. I didn't, need, I didn't need it. Of course, I, need, I used it, but all I needed was, this man would just come to class, this is today's topic, and he, he broke it down so intelligently that the one person in my class who was scared, he had, he had an F from his O levels, he was so scared that he will not do well. This guy, to be fair on him, his fear still came true in other areas. The only subject he passed was chemistry. He had a C. The rest of us who, who we had learned cramming and we had seen real knowledge. We had my comfortable A, and of course this is not to brag, I had a comfortable A in advanced level chemistry just because I came in touch with a teacher. And I was wondering, look at the other schools. Look at them struggling. <laughs> struggling. Brilliant people, but struggling. Expensive schools, but struggling just because of a teacher. Hear me, child of God. The Spirit of God has chosen to surround us with people. It is, it is this isolation, and I can know it alone. It is pride. It's not humility. It's not that I have the Holy Spirit. You have no need for you have the anointing of the Holy One. You will find scriptures for your pride. You will. The three commitments I must desire and prioritize God's word as the most important resource in my life. Keywords, desire, and prioritize. I must contend for revelation knowledge through the practice of study and meditation. And I must trust God for. And when I find them, pray 
for teachers that are tools of the Spirit. These are not people who lord it over you and by the time you finish listening to them, you just want to delete and cancel everybody. By the time you listen to a Spirit-filled teacher, you are filled with love. That's when you see ignorance, what flows is compassion, not judgment. Somebody say glory to God. Glory to God. Let me leave us with God's word and then we'll we'll wrap it up this evening. The word of God is the most important resource in my life and I must desire and prioritize God's word. If you're writing Proverbs chapter 3, Proverbs chapter 3 from verse 1 to 4. It says, my son, and this is me saying to you, God's child, God's child, God's child, my brother, my sister. All right, this is God's word to us. It says, do not forget my law. That's another word that the English is not really great because law makes you think of legal system. A more accurate translation will be my instructions, my teachings. Do not forget my word. Let your heart, not your head, let your heart keep my commands. The, the process through which the word travels from the head to the heart is the, is the process of meditation. It says there is advantage for those who will make this investment. Remember what we learned from 2 Peter chapter 1. Grace and peace multiplied. Everything that has your name on it. You are right. It's your inheritance. But it says that his divine power has made all these things possible through the knowledge. It says, land of days and long life and peace, they will add to you. This is almost rephrasing 2 Peter chapter 1. It says, let not mercy and truth forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Can you see that language of desire? That language of pursuit. That language of commitment. That language of prioritization. You don't prioritize it by saying, I prioritize it. You prioritize it by showing us your schedule. You, 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 you show desire by showing us how much investments are you making? How much study? How much, how much are you in search of God's word? We can audit your consumption, your content consumption, and we can tell what your true desire is. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. And so, find favor and the highest esteem in the sight of God and man. You know when scripture tells us Jesus increased in favor? You just see that kind of scripture. Oh, Jesus increased in favor. He increased in stature. Increased his favor with God and man. Uh, Father, I also increase. I also increase. He's showing you how here. He says, so you find favor. I esteem in the sight of God and man. Hmm. I must contend for revelation knowledge through the practice of study and meditation. Study and meditation. Good study begins with good reading. We are not demonizing reading. You must read first. You must read first. But beyond reading, you now begin to take out time to study. You can do systematic study. You can do topical study. There are many tools available today, more than ever, to have accurate understanding of God's word. And you are going line by line, precept upon precept, topic upon topic, character upon character, book by book, verse by verse, chapter by chapter. It's now adding up. It's making sense. You stay there and you study. There will be no word here I will not understand. There will be no concept here I will gloss over. This is now study. This is now study. And meditation. Meditation there means, hmm, can I have my time? 
the words, the, 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 the closest English words to describe the root Hebrew for meditation are the words, interestingly, they all begin with M, so you can remember them, to meditate. It means to muse, to think deeply. To mutter, it means your mouth will be involved. You, you, you verbalize at some point. It also says to moan, all right? It means you will make sounds as you are thinking deeply upon. Or I like, I like to call that groan, all right? You mutter, you moan, you muse. Deep thinking, you repeat God's word. You think deeply, you find your quiet time. You now know why it's called quiet Joshua chapter 1 and verse 8. It says, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night. Day and night. You will think about it. You will mutter it and repeat. This, this reminds me of what I learned in agriculture many, 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 many years ago. For some reason, it just stuck in my mind because I was curious that what kind of animals are these ruminants, we called them. They will eat, and you will clear the food and take them inside. After a few hours, you see them chewing again. And you're wondering, did anybody serve them new food? No. They are bringing back what we learned, what PD taught, perfect peace. Some people by now have already gone back to listen to perfect peace. That is regurgitation. You bring it back. I learned this many years ago in agriculture. I'm sure my Greek teacher will be very proud of me. She's always been very proud of me. If she's watching, she will, be, she will be even prouder that I can remember the fourth stomach comp compartment of a ruminant animal. I don't know why it is still in my brain. It's there. Reticulum, rumen, omasum, and abomasum. Why? Because I used a mnemonic to remember. Have you ever used mnemonic for God's word? Or because there's no exam, you don't need to remember. You can see that we, there's, 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 there's desire, there's prioritization. And then meditation that you bring it back, you mutter, perfect peace. My God is eternal. Perfect peace. Grace is multiplied unto me. Grace upon grace. You are muttering it, muttering it, giving the Spirit of God tools to work with. Then light breaks forth. Glory to God. Then you now see it. At that point, faith has come. It says you will meditate in it day and night and if your meditation is accurate, you will discover that you have now been engraved to observe. So you are now doing according to all that is written. It says for then you will make, boy oh boy, this is literally putting the responsibility. Remember what Peter told us in 2 Peter. It says his divine power has given us. So the responsibility for success is now in our hands. Will we meditate in it day and night? Will we observe to do? Then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. The last point this evening, I trust that you've been blessed so far. I trust that you've been blessed so far. It says the last commitment. Remember commitment number one. I must, by God's grace, obviously, by the Spirit, I must prioritize, desire God's word as the most important resource in my life i must i must contend for revelation knowledge through the practice of study and meditation i must trust god for and pray for teachers that are tools of the holy spirit for illumination we have a scarcity of such tools but we also have an abundance of them if what you want is truth you will find your teachers if what you want is 
people that will tickle your ears, you will also find your teachers. Be it unto you according to the real desire of your heart. We will go to places this month that might make some people uncomfortable. But the Lord has called me. I said no to him. He insisted. And he says, this is part of what I have sent you to do. To communicate my truth with power and by the Spirit. To cause the lives of my children to go from basic Christian living to exceptional Christian living. Isaiah chapter 30, I read verse 21 and then I read verse 20. I won't read verse 20 and 21. I'll read verse 21 because I know you know verse 21. I think we talked about this briefly on one of the morning prayers. It says, and your ears shall hear a word behind you. We love this scripture in, in, in the Pentecostal circle. Saying, this is the way, walk ye in it. When you turn to the right hand, when you turn to the left, this is the way. Father, I hear a voice, I hear a voice, I hear a voice. Hmm. But verse 20 says, and though the Lord give you the bread of adversity, and the water of affliction. It says, Yet shall not thy teachers be removed into a corner anymore. It says, But your eyes shall see your teachers. Now, when your eyes have seen your teachers, then your ears will now hear that word behind you. You have been taught now. By the Spirit, but through a vessel. By the Spirit, but through a vessel. Saying, This is the way. 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 Come on, someone, wherever you are, just say, Father, thank you for the truth of your words that we've received today. Someone is going to say, Father, thank you for sending us this, this, this truth as we unveil your counsel through the Wednesday is in the month of October. Thank you because we are done with just being aware. We are done with just being aware that there's something called grace, that there's something called favor, that there's something called purpose, that there's something called health, that there's something called prosperity, that there's something called peace. I don't just want to be aware. I don't just want to be informed. I don't just want to be an expert knowing the knowledge, but I want to be by the Spirit, one who experiences and has personal knowledge of it. Thank you, Father, for sending us your word. Thank you because your word is mixed with faith. Thank you because this word profits us. Thank you because we are by your spirit empowered to unlearn and to relearn and to break mindsets that have held us captive. Thoughts that have limited our experience of the divine life. Now we are ready. We are ready to experience your light. We are ready to burst forth on every side. We give you all the grace. Thank you, gracious Father. For in Jesus' name we have prayed. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Glory to God. As we bring this evening's service to a close, I want to pray with those who I promised I would. You've not accepted the life of Jesus. I want to pray with you. And I want to pray for category two, which is all of us, including myself, that there will be grace that we will take advantage of to make these three important commitments, to prioritize God's word, to desire it as the most important resource. Hmm. To by the Spirit contend for revelation knowledge through practice and meditation. To trust God for teachers that will be tools of illumination. Men, women, vessels, tools, resources that will unveil like never before the counsel of God. I pray for those two categories. If you've not received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, 
or you made this decision a while back and you know that a relationship doesn't exist today, I want to pray with you this evening. I want to hold my hands with yours, albeit in the spirit. It might not be evening where you are. It may be I'm not listening live. This very moment is the lover of your soul calling to you. Today, this moment is the day of salvation. Please say with me, Lord Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. Thank you for dying for my sins. Thank you for taking my place in the grave. Thank you because on the third day you rose again. Today, I confess you as Lord and Savior over my life and I say yes to you. I say yes to your will. I say yes to your way. I am empowered by your Spirit to live for you. Thank you, Father. For in Jesus' name we have prayed. Please let me pray with you, Father. Thank you for these sons and daughters, the ones you shed your blood for who have made this decision this moment. I ask, Father, that there will be a multiplication of your grace and a supply of your spirit. That they are engraved in you, the Lamb's book of life. They will live the rest of their days for you. They will grow to be giants in your kingdom. They will love you and serve you forever. Thank you, gracious Father. And I pray for each and every one of us. We've heard your word. We've received your word. We've heard your word. We've received your word. The grace that pushes us from hearing. Not just hearing, but to be able to regurgitate and to take this in fully till it becomes personal. The grace to make the commitments for desire, the commitments for prioritization, the commitments for study, the commitments for meditation, the commitments for seeking and praying for teachers that will be tools of the Spirit for illumination. We receive the grace this moment in the mighty name of Jesus. No one under the sound of my voice having experienced your word will remain the same in the mighty name of Jesus for those in their lives that have current realities struggling with truth realities from God's word we command those other realities to bow to the one and true reality that these lies will become proofs of your grace in the name of Jesus Thank you, gracious Father, for in Jesus' name we have prayed. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Come on, if you can, wherever you are, jam those ends together. Give the Lord a big shout. Thank you so much for joining us today. We hope you've been blessed by the sermon. And if you would love to be a part of what God is doing in our midst, feel free to join us on Sundays at 10 a.m. or Wednesdays at 7 p.m. To be a part of the giving, you can give our email at info, I-N-F-O, at KICCCanada.ca or through our website at www.kicccanada.ca slash donate. God is doing amazing things in our midst and we look forward to seeing you soon. Remember, you're a champion. God bless you.